Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Patrick Campbell. Patrick is actively practicing and he's an active duty dentist for the U.S. Navy. He's been doing that for three years. This is a first on financial flossing, having an active duty dentist on here. This is a unique story, a lot different than most people's. Patrick, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Sure thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about this. What made you decide to go into the Navy and start practicing dentistry here. I mean, I, I've met lots of people who spent time in the military as, as a dentist. That was typically years ago for them. You're the first guy I've interviewed who is actually in the military now. Was this really kind of a patriotism for the country? Was this, a, I, I love the military. I always wanted to join the military. Was there another reason? Talk about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, being young and an undergrad, looking for options about different career paths, and paying for school, you start looking at it as, as a way to pay for school at first. Um, you know, junior year of undergrad started looking at uh, the options, but then thankfully I was able to get this uh, into this program. But now that I'm actually practicing, it's pretty unbelievable serving the patients that I do, you know, serving Marines. And there's these young kids that have a lot of responsibility. So it's really an honor to serve them as a dentist. And, you know, of course, again, it helps out with financially as well with the tuition reimbursement and all the perks that go along with it. So talk about that. The Navy paid for your dental school, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So there's a couple of options. The program that I did is called HPSB. So Health Professions Scholarship Program. So it's a year for year payback. They pay for school. And then for that each year of paid school, you owe them a year of service. Okay. But now, for anyone who might be concerned, this doesn't mean you're being deployed to the front lines of uh, a war-torn country and uh, picking up a rifle. You're literally just doing dentistry, right? Doing dentistry. But the big thing is it's not a typical job at all. You know, there are dentists on every single Navy carrier. There's dentists currently, or probably not right now, but Army dentists are often in Iraq and Afghanistan when, when that situation was still going on. There's a dentist, you know, who knows in Norway right now with the Marines, not the typical, I guess, working atmosphere, but there are dentists out there that are doing some pretty cool things with the military. I would imagine being active duty dentist in the military stationed in Iraq or Afghanistan would definitely be a little bit different work environment than uh, your typical uh, solo practice in uh, any town USA. It would. Absolutely. Uh, recently, actually, you know, I wasn't in Iraq or Afghanistan, but I did a little six week tasker is what they like to say it with Operation Allies Welcome in uh, Quantico, Virginia. So I was providing dental care to uh, Afghan refugees for about six weeks and we were working, you know, in a mobile dental unit. So definitely a di little different than the practice kind of just down the block kind of thing. Well, this, this is a little bit off topic, but it does it begs my curiosity. 
So people living in Afghanistan, did they have a lot of teeth problems or were their teeth pretty good? Yes. You know, they do not have the same dental care as we do here in the States. And there was a lot of dental care to be to be had for sure. So we did a lot of work, uh, you know, a lot of extractions and a lot of interesting things that we saw over the six week period. Oh, wow. So you said, hey, I can basically make a deal with the government. They'll pay for my school and then I will serve them for five years. But they pay you a pretty fair wage, too. And and they also give you a housing stipend. So you're able to live, even though you're not making as much as probably a dentist who has their own practice or as an associate at a practice somewhere else, you're doing all right. You're not struggling to get by, correct? Yeah, they take care of us. I would say we're, we're comfortable for sure. You were paid as a, you can go and look up the salaries for, so right now I'm a lieutenant in the Navy. So I'm an O3. So you can go look up the you know salary for that. And then you get a little extra stipend for being a dentist and you get BAH as well. So basically housing allowance, which changes based on your location as well. So if you were up in Washington, DC, you know, you'd be paid a little bit more for uh, cost of living up there versus, you know, in the middle of Kansas kind of thing. Did you uh, have to go through boot camp? So not technically boot camp. It's and I'm not even going to compare it to boot camp because that would be disrespectful for the people that go to boot camp. It's called Officer Development School. So ODS. It's in Newport, Rhode Island. So that's five weeks. And you know, when you're in dental school, the Navy leaves you alone. They know that there's a lot going on with your uh, with your school, and they really let you focus on being the best dentist as possible. But after you have to learn proper military etiquette, you have to learn how to wear your uniforms, um, saluting, everything that goes into being not only a dentist, but an officer of the United States Navy, you learn at this officer development school in Newport, Rhode Island for five weeks. You came out as an officer because you had a college degree, is that right? Correct, yes. So you are, you automatically, dentist, as right as you come out of school, you are promoted to um, a lieutenant in 03. Okay, So for you, one of your motivating factors for this, as it sounds like, was uh, school loans, finding a way to pay for and manage school loans. So what was the tuition on your dental school? I would have been, if I did not take this scholarship, I would have been about $300,000 in dental school debt. And student loans are really a passion of yours. And Mm-hmm. I guess the dental industry is a little bit different than, you know, physicians in that many hospitals are nonprofits. So many physicians who work at hospitals qualify for the PSLF public service loan forgiveness program. There are some challenges with that program, which are not a topic for today, Absolutely. but um, talk a little bit about kind of your passion for passion or hatred for student loans, whatever you want to right. call it. Right. Absolutely. So I, you know, I do still have some undergrad student loans, but, you know, throughout the entire process, I didn't get find out I got this. I was in this Navy program until November of my first year. So I was, you know, I took out student loans expecting that I would have to pay back. And I just remember looking back at, at that time. And I, I was just had no idea what I was even diving into. Like, you know, wasn't, did no calculations on what I would potentially have to owe. It's just kind of, you know, there's so much stuff that goes into getting into dental school that you don't think about the more practical stuff, like how how I'm going to pay for it and, you know, how, what my budget has to be. And I I think it's getting better that people have, you know, undergrad students, high school students have this idea that 
they're going to get out of uh, dental school and be able to buy that Mercedes. You know, I think it's getting better, but at the same time, still can always improve on kind of that mindset. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's obviously a topic for another conversation, but the, co- the rising cost of education, college tuition is, is insane, which I have lots of opinions on that. And, you know, not everyone should go to college and that doesn't make you a second second class citizen by any stretch of the imagination. But you began to realize this so much. You did something a lot of people don't do is you started working while you're in dental school. Talk about that. Yes. And that was a great experience. So I... Another thing I didn't mention, so while you're in dental school, the Navy pays you a little bit of a stipend too, housing allowance. Oh, and nice. I'm sorry, I completely forgot to mention that. Uh, so you do get a slight salary from the Navy during dental school, uh, but I also saw an opportunity. I'm, I've bartended a lot in the past, but I was able to bartend on the weekends and I thought it was a great experience. You know, there's obviously, if dental students are ever interested in trying to find the right job. And I I have some suggestions on that and some insight, but it was a great experience working and bartending during the, uh, during dental school, obviously it required some time management, but it was great. So your goal, you have about three and a half years left of your commitment to the Navy. Mm -hmm. Your hope and goal is to start your own practice. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. There's, um, you know, a lot of opportunities in the Navy that you could follow, those are still open at this point, which is a huge advantage of the Navy as well. Opportunities are endless, but it's always been a thought of mine that I want to own a practice at some point. Yes. Yeah. Obviously you make a 20 year career in the military, you get a pension, um, which a lot Correct. of people yes. have, and you've got the best healthcare on the planet, um, which is, those are definite benefits. And as a small business owner, which if you own a practice, the bane of your existence is going to be health insurance. But um, that's just the world we live in. So talk about the peace of mind about being able to, to do that, start your own practice without having student loans. I mean, obviously not everyone has student loans. Some people, you know, they have the means and they pay for it and, and other things their parents pay for it. But talk about the, the peace of mind of having your loans paid for when you go to rent a building or buy a building or buy a practice where you're incurring debt. Right. Absolutely. You know, I don't, it's just my wife and I at this point, but you know, maybe some, at some point we'll have a family, but you know, all these decisions that I'm making obviously not only impact me, but it impact my family and having that a lesser burden for student debt while we're taking on more burden for paying employees and a practice loan and all that stuff. It's, it's huge. It's a huge stress relief. And definitely I feel at one point that I'm going to be very happy I'm happy right now with my decision to go be in the Navy, but you know, in five, six years, when I start looking at that, it's going to be the great that I don't have that burden of student loan debt. Do you find of your former classmates that their student loan burden has affected their financial decisions on what direction their career they've taken their career? I would say it's hard to say. Um, obviously, with the pause on student loans at this point, kind of nice. It should it got extended again past which- May. Well, no, I'm saying it got extended to May oh, as we're referring to, okay, which, got it. which, by the way, this is probably going to offend some people, but I, that's a little ridiculous in my opinion. <laughs> uh, who knows when it's going to, are we going to actually start again in or June 1st? It's just a different way of loan forgiveness. That's all. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, generally it seems like dental students get out of school and they have to, you know, they have to find a job to start paying back these loans right away. So is a lot of that. Are they going to Aspen Dental? Are they, you know, taking a DSO job where 
they're really working hard and getting a good paycheck, I would argue that that generally that probably does happen. It does influence people's decisions after school. And since you've kind of gone down the rabbit hole of student loans and it's, mm-hmm. it is, it is a rabbit hole. And, and you would think something as simple as getting a loan would be simple, but mm-hmm. anything the government does is made dramatically more complex than it should be. And student loans are, I mean, you could get a degree in student loans. It's quite ridiculous. Right. Um, what have you learned about student loans and seen out there in the world? Yeah. So during dental school, I was lucky enough to participate in uh, the ADA's lobby day in Washington, D.C. And a lot of times we were lobbying, you know, for student student loan reform. There was always this argument. So with unsubsidized loans, are is it better to have a capped rate, unsubsidized loans versus capped? And I, it seems like everyone has an opinion. Like, is it OK that dental students are getting an unlimited amount of student loans, or is it better to cap those student loans? I don't know. By, I, by cap, you mean not the rate, you mean the amount. The amount, correct. Like, let's See, say- What's interesting, get- I would argue if you cap the amount of loans available, that might be able to keep tuition prices in check. And I would argue that too. That makes sense, right? Are you going to fall into, and I, these are hypothetical questions I'm asking because I don't have the answer, but are you going to fall into the trap? Let's say that tuition does- keep going up? Or is it going to be dental students going to be only the people that pay for it? Are they going to go private loans where the rates are higher? It's it's a tough situation. Well, it's it's like when you go down the PSLF, and obviously the PSLF is dominated by physicians, but obviously you can get government or, or nonprofit work in the dental world. It's just not as, it's not as predominant as it is in the medical world. Right. But, uh, you know, it's only certain types of loan payback programs, you know, the income driven or the income based plan. And it's like figuring out these plans. And by the way, don't try and call customer service. You'll you'll need to take a vacation day to do that at at Sally May. It's just, um, or Nelnet, the service, Navient, the servicing companies. It's, it's just, uh, it's insane what you deal with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know people who they qualify for the PSLF, but they're like, Nope. Uh, they're just going to pay it off as fast as they can. And uh, I know some people who are like, they're at sub 2% interest and they make really good money. And they're like, I'm just paying the minimum until forever. And I understand all sides of the argument. I know what direction I would go if I was in their shoes, but mm-hmm. that's just different than from other people. Right. Absolutely. And uh, one interesting story from these lobby day experiences is that we were sitting down with a we were at a face-to-face meeting. It was me and a bunch of other dental students with a very prominent senator. Basically, oh, actually, Wisconsin. <laughs> and we basically said our complaints. And he's he said, I hear you. At the same time, we need more, we need more blue-collar workers, right? So I think it's understood that dentists get paid well, but I don't maybe it's not completely seen how significant of an issue this is at this point. Well, in what you the challenge, of course, is, is like if there's a hundred thousand people who take out student loans a year, how many of them are dentists? And maybe it's two thousand. Well, they don't have a big voice, right? And uh, and that's so that's that's just the politics of it, um, right? So, what would you say are the negatives of going the military route? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, at some point, you get to decide where you want to go, but you often you are. Are a service member. You are often told where you're going to go, where you're going to be stationed. 
the needs of the Navy come first. And that's super important to understand if you're going to do this program. So you're from Wisconsin. You went Correct. to school. You went to undergrad and middle school in Wisconsin. Correct. You're currently in North Carolina now station. Correct. Mm-hmm. And you were last year you were in D.C. Correct. And next year you could move again. Yeah, it's usually it's typically two year orders. So every two years, the first year was a kind of weird training year. And then uh, every two years you typically move. And uh, again, it's needs of the Navy come first. So if they need a dentist on a certain carrier out of Norfolk or San Diego. So what happens what... then? You're married. Your wife, you live with your wife now. You see your wife every day when you come home from work. But if, if they say, hey, we're putting you on a carrier on the Pacific, your wife's stationed in San Diego at the base in San Diego, wherever it is, and you're gone for six months on a carrier. Correct. Yes. So that is very important to understand, you know. Um, there's a lot of dentists that are needed everywhere and again, needs of the Navy come first. So as the way it should be when they're giving us such a good, good program. That's good. I mean, it's good to know. That's a deal killer for a lot of people, but I, but I, but I understand. And so, but because of the benefits, I mean, you're able to, we talked a little bit about this before you're able to save a nice chunk of money at this point to kind of give yourself some savings. And I like to say savings gives you options uh, when the time comes when you're done, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the thrift savings plan is I've never been in a different 401k or savings plan. So I think, you know, it's a great savings vehicle at this point, you know, a huge government uh, savings vehicle. And yeah, they uh, allow us to fully participate in that. And even like, even after that, just putting money in your own personal savings account just because of the income you're paid plus the housing allowance and things they provide, you're able to just put additional savings away in your checking or savings account to prepare you for when you're done. Correct. Correct. Yes. You know, we, uh, some people buy a house when they're on active duty, even though they move every two years, but you know, that's might be an advantage right now. We can rent and hopefully save up for that down payment in a couple of years when we settle down wherever or 10 years when we settle down wherever uh definitely gives the opportunity where we can grow that fund for emergencies and a down payment and maybe a practice loan payment a lot of options there for sure so let's kind of change gears a little bit here you're mm-hmm. pretty well versed and, and well read in the dental industry you know a lot about dso's you've done a lot of homework we talked about that beforehand so let's fast forward three years you start your own mm-hmm. practice wherever you started what is your ideal scenario? Uh, you'll be in your early 30s at that point in time. Are you kind of like, I want to grow this thing as fast as I can up to how, whatever number and sell it to a DSO? Or you're like, no, I'm going to practice forever. I mean, I have some clients who hate corporate dentistry, hate DSOs. It would never right. sell to a DSO. Some people right. would love to sell to a DSO. Some people never want to sell. They want to work until you know, they're well on their years and pass it on to an associate. What What's your, it's a little idealistic right now, your phase of your life, but what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked a little bit, you know, before we came on about the fire movement and some of the pros and cons with that. I, what I think we both agreed on was that the amount of saving for that or the um, savings rate that often comes along with the fire, fire program or fire philosophy is great. Looking ahead, I mean, I would love to be a staple in the community, someone that the community can lean on. And I think a lot of dentists kind of want the same kind of thing, a great resource in the community for people to turn to. You know, um, 
at the same time, of course, want some sort of uh, stability where you can only work three or you might only be able to work three or four days a week. And basically stability, I think, is the best thing to go for while at the same time being great resources in your community and someone that your community can rely on. That's great. And to me, that sounds like, hey, I'm not trying to sell out right away. Oh, correct. In, yeah. In the future. Uh, but, you know, obviously things like changes, you never know what, what, what comes your way. And so mm-hmm. but just having the flexibility to choose whatever you want to do. Absolutely. Um, so this is, uh, you know, as we as we kind of wind this down, this has been a very unique conversation because of where you're at in your career. We've never talked to someone like this at your stage of your career. And of course, like anybody, if you talk to me five years from now, I'll probably say, oh, I can't believe what I said about five years ago. And your, pers- <laughs> and your perspective may change as well when you go into private practice dentistry. But what would you, you're only a couple of years removed from dental school. What advice would you give a new college grad, undergrad graduate who's entering dental school? What advice would you give them? And this is pretty topical. So my younger brother is about to graduate from um, undergrad and he is thinking about going to med school. So not necessarily by, dental school. By, by the way, tell him yes. to stop. Tell him to go to dental school. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll make more money as a dentist than he will as a physician. And Fair uh, enough. I will let, I will for, talk to him about that. For anyone listening, just so you know, one of my, one of my clients, um, well, he's an orthodontist and he wanted to go to med school and uh, he was kind of, just shadowing a doctor, a physician, and the doctor looked at him and said, go to dental school, don't go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got physician clients and um, I have, uh, like, I just went to the dentist yesterday and just got my annual cleaning and my dentist raised their rates back in October, which is fine. But so it used to be almost all covered by insurance. Now it's, there's less covered by insurance. So I got to, I got to pay. And um I was talking to an emergency room physician client yesterday and he says, I haven't gotten a raise in 10 years. And I had another physician client say to me, <laughs> medicine is the career of diminishing returns because Medicare reimbursements always go down right. and the insurance companies always follow Medicare. So purely from an economical standpoint, dentistry is a much better way to go than medicine. And I could talk about that for quite a long time. So I would encourage yeah. your, your brother to say, hey, now, if he's passionate about medicine and not dentistry, I get it. But you're just going to be the rich one in the family. He's not. <laughs> it's funny. He uh, So my my mom is actually an endodontist as well. And uncles, aunts, all and a lot of dentists in the family. And uh, yeah, he's he's the one that's uh, going uh, medicine. So, you know, right now he's going to take a gap year and we'll see how it goes. But I guess advice for him, you know, if I would, I mean, for medical as well, I would almost push him towards military medicine as well. There's a lot of options. HPSP, the scholarship program I'm in, is also yeah. Because I wouldn't want to go down that PSLF route. Mm-hmm. Wait, waiting ten years and the right. government politics about that. That's probably better. What you're recommending is probably a better way to go. Yeah, and there's a there's a actually the military as a medical school in Bethesda, Maryland, kind of associated with Walter Reed. So that's a you know, option as well. So. All right. So I'm a big reader. I ask everyone what's a book they like or recommend. Do you, do you read, do you have your book recommendations? Yeah, I have a couple. So I, can I do three? Go for it. Yeah. Different subjects. Okay. So I think copywriting is fascinating. Oh yes. Absolutely fascinating topic. And something that I think dentists 
don't realize that they're doing, but, or just in general, how important it is just writing written word to be as effective as possible. So Joseph Sugarman years and years ago, he put out this ad week copywriting guide and it's just a fascinating book. It gives you pretty actionable tips and tricks on to improve your writing. So that's one psychology of money. Oh, that's Uh, Morgan Howell's. That book's fantastic. Yes. Fantastic book. I'm reading it for the second time right now. Fantastic book. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have read that already. Um, and then I'll go with a I'll, I'll go with a home answer from being from Wisconsin. There's a new book about Giannis Antetokounmpo, the basketball player. You can pronounce his looks, name. You're ahead of everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's you know aside from his story being really cool, just where he's coming from and how lucky that us as dentists are is pretty humbling to read about. So I'll say that as well. Well, that's great. Well, Patrick, this has been an absolutely entertaining conversation. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. It's an honor. Sure thing. All right, guys, you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. Tune in next week for our next episode. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 161390032. 2021-1195-35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535, expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services are offered through PAS, member FINRASIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2022-135909. Expiration 324. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.